Corinthians 6. 1 Corinthians 6. It says in 1 Corinthians 6 and verse 18, we're just going to try to get it started on a, like a happy note. So we're going to go ahead and read this verse. It says, flee sexual immorality. That's the way you grow youth ministry is you preach on flee sexual immorality. <laughs> it says every sin that a man does is outside the body, but he who commits sexual immorality sins against his own body. All right, verse 19. Now this is the key verse. It says, or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you? Whom you have from God and you are not your own. You don't have the right to do whatever you want. Let me tell you that tonight. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit lives on the inside of you, you are not in charge of your life. So you don't have the right to just do whatever you want. We'll get to that later. Verse 20, for you were bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Amen? Let's look at 2 Timothy 2. 2 Timothy 2. He's probably going to get it wild tonight like it was last week. 2 Timothy 2. Who knows what kind of stories I might tell tonight. 2 Timothy. Second Timothy 2 and verse 22, notice the same word. It starts out with flee or run from also youthful lust, but pursue righteousness. Notice that flee youthful lust, but pursue righteousness, faith, love, peace, and with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. Amen. Well, if you're taking notes tonight, tell my message is you are not your own. You are not your own. As we get going tonight, I'm continuing on the subject of purity. Come on, somebody. I'm continuing on the subject of purity. And a little recap of the past couple services. Uh, The first week we talked about purity and we talked about clean hands and a pure heart. And that message is on the podcast. If you guys need to listen to that or want to listen to it, it's on the podcast. We talked about clean hands and a pure heart. We talked about that purity must begin in your heart first. Hello, somebody. Not in your body first, in your heart first. We talked about there's a lot of Christians who are maybe physically a virgin, but mentally and in their spirit, man, in their heart, they are not virgins. And they think that they're getting away with something. But how many know God knows your heart? So many people are judging everybody by their outward actions, but it's what matters is what's in your heart. I tell you, there's, there's been more people than I can count and more people than I could tell you tonight who had impurities in their heart for years and years and years. And when they got 18 or 19 or 20 and got off on their own, all those impurities that were in there the whole time, since they were away from mommy and daddy now, they did all those things that were in their heart the whole time. But they were just too afraid to do them when they were in mommy and daddy's house. And just because they weren't doing anything on the outside for years, sitting in church, everybody thought, oh man, they're so pure, they're so sweet, they're so holy. They weren't at all. I'd rather have somebody with a pure heart than just clean actions. I'd rather somebody with a pure heart and is struggling with some 
of his behavior and his actions any day. Why? Because I know if you've got a pure heart, your actions are eventually going to clean themselves up. Because you can have, you can have, a, you can have an impure heart and clean actions. Do you know that? You can have an impure heart and clean actions. There's a lot of people faking it. They're scared to do anything sexually. That's the only reason they don't have sex. It's not because they care about what God thinks about it. They're just trying not to get an STD or get pregnant. And so you can, you can have that, but I don't want that because that will only last so long. It will only last so long. And trust me, if you don't deal with the impurity that is in your heart, eventually it's going to come out. Eventually it will come out. But you know, the, we have an answer to that. You know, Jesus said, I'm going to come and give you a new heart. A new heart. And a new nature. So you have the ability to not sin the rest of your life. Do you know that? If, if his spirit dwells on the inside of you, you have a new nature. You have the same nature Jesus had. And Jesus never sinned. And so once he gives you that new nature, you have a choice now. See, before, before you were saved, before you knew Jesus, you didn't have a choice. You just did what sin wanted you to do. You, don't, you didn't have your own opinion because sin was your master. But once you get into the kingdom of God and Jesus comes on the inside of you, now you have a choice. He gives you options. Sin doesn't have the ability to master over you anymore. Why? Because he's living on the inside of you. And he's your master now. So that's hope for all of us in here who's had impure hearts because Jesus can change our hearts. Jesus can change your heart. And he can give you a want to. He can change your heart in the way that you don't want to be impure. You don't want to be unholy. Not because you're in fear or not because you're afraid of your parents or your pastors. No, you can want to live holy. You can want to live clean. Because Jesus can give you those desires. We talked about this too, that you got to address impure thoughts immediately. Don't let them linger. All temptations come to you first as a thought. Everything that all of us in here have done wrong has always come at a thought first. I think I should fill in the blank, anything. I think I should steal this candy bar from somebody. I think I, sh- I should make out with this person. I think I should do this and do that. It all started as a thought first. And if you don't deal with a thought, it will turn into a action. So you got to deal with the thoughts. And you have the ability to, in Christ, you have the ability to deal with your thought life. You know, the Word of God says we have the mind of Christ. You don't have to put up with that, that mind you have because the Word of God says you can have the mind of Christ. So you can think like Christ thought. But it's a choice. We talked about this last week. We talked about the way of escape. We talked about temptation. And I know last week you were probably saying, you know, that's, that's some really practical information. You're just pretty much saying run. Sometimes temptation is that easy. Get your butt up off the couch and run home. Get out of the back seat and go home. Get out of the club and go home. Sometimes overcoming temptation is that easy. It's so much easier to, to not be tempted when I don't put myself in that situation. See, a lot of us are shooting ourselves in the foot because we keep on putting ourselves in the same tempting situation and we're wondering why we keep falling into sin. Why? Because you're not choosing your way of escape. And we know from last week, it says, for every temptation, there's a way of escape. There's not one of us in here that can say 
to God. You know what, God? That last Friday night, you didn't give me a way out. I could not control myself. The devil made me do it. There was no way out. There's always a way of escape for every temptation. That's what the word of God says. So if you say contrary, you're a liar. Come on, someone just got blessed there. I just called you a liar. But if the word of God says there's always a way of escape or there's always a way out of temptation and you don't take it, that means you chose to not take that way of escape. You chose to go into sin. You didn't fall into sin. You walked right into it. But tonight we're going to be specifically talking about dating. Look at your neighbor and say dating. You guys are happy already, aren't you? You know... We got, we got middle, schools, middle schoolers, high schoolers, college-age people all represented in this room tonight. And all of you are all trying to date. Don't play games with me. You're all trying to date. Because I know you. Why? Because I was in middle school, high school, and all, all the above. You guys are trying to date. Steven, you're trying to date. Don't play games with me. Jib? I know you. You might not be acting on it, but you're thinking about somebody. You know, and that's, that's the, the sad thing is our culture is so uh, instilled in that. And it's sad because there's a lot of parents that encourage stinking middle schoolers to get into serious relationships. Honey, I will drive you to this date. You guys are in sixth grade, and you guys are trying to go out on one-on-one dates together. And the parents are dropping you off together. Okay, um, I'm going to deal with that that later on here, but it's sad because a lot of parents are even encouraging it. If you can't drive yourself to your own date, you're not old enough to date. Okay. We're going to get to that later. So it's important. We know about dating because whether all of us want to admit it or not, y'all are looking, y'all are thinking. But, you know, it's not important what I think about it. It's not important what D thinks about it. It's not important what Rebecca thinks about it. It's important what the Word of God says about it. Because people got opinions about dating like crazy. But it's not important what I think about it. It's not important what you think about it. It's important what the Word of God says about it. Why? Because God's always right. There's no human that, that is always right and always truthful. But God is always right. So I mean, you know, it's our job to not make God think like we think, but we're supposed to think like God thinks. See, so many people read the Bible and try to read it to make God say what they want them to say. But you're supposed to read the Bible to understand the way God thinks, because he's always right. He's always right. He's always perfect. You, you know, the sooner you get that, the, I, I tell you, the better your life is going to be. The sooner you get the understanding that God knows more than I know, and God is always right. And I should just stop arguing with him because he's always right. You know, every time I've ever argued with God about something, I haven't won. Every time I've argued with God about something and said, you know, I just think I'm going to go do this. And his word said otherwise, I've always regretted that decision. So we need to see what the word of God says about dating because that's what's really important. You know, uh, in Genesis, it uh, talks about Adam and Eve. Come on, Adam and Eve. And, you know, it says it was not good that Adam was alone. That's why he created Eve. 
You guys still here? Okay. <laughs> Got awful quiet for a second there. You guys really listen to Adam and Eve? Okay. Adam and Eve, in the garden, God created them for each other. So it's normal that you want to get married. Hello, somebody. It's normal that you guys like somebody of the opposite sex. It's normal. So I'm not saying this in a way like, I'm really ticked that you guys are liking somebody of the opposite sex. No, you're supposed to like somebody. It's natural that you want to get married or to be with somebody. But the thing is, how do we go about doing that? That's, that's the issue. Because God made you that way. God made it in you that you would want to be with somebody. You know, he put that in Adam, that he would need a helper. He would need somebody to walk alongside him. And he said, it's not good that you're alone. It's not good that we walk alone by ourselves. So that's a natural feeling that God has put in you. But the way you go about fulfilling that is the issue. The way we go about fulfilling that person that we're going to find to be with for the rest of our life, that's the issue because we can go about it the world's way or we can go about God's way. And there are two different ways. See, the world tries to blend it in, and a lot of Christians try to blend in a little bit of the world's way and a little bit of God's way with dating. But no, they're completely opposite the way they think about things. You know, the Word of God says that there's a way that seems right to a man, but the end is destruction. See, a lot of people think that they're, they're doing dating and courting or whatever you want to call it the right way, but they're doing it the world's way. And the end is destruction. So how do we go about it? Because it's two different ways. And I know a lot of us have a lot of junk in our head from parents, from grandparents, from just people in society, from TV shows that don't know what they're talking about. And you're basing your relationship off Laguna Beach. Hello, I used to. Wasn't right. You're basing your relationships off of Glee. You're you're basing your relationships off Jersey Shore like they have something to tell you about your relationships. Okay. If you've ever seen the Laguna Beach cast, like I used to rep them like hardcore back in the day. If you see them now, they are all fat and drunks. Okay, they're not even cool anymore. And I remember back in the day, you know, you'd see people like that and you're like, oh man, they're living it. No, they're not living it. Why? Because there's a way that seems right to the man, but the end is destruction. Thankful somebody rescued out of me the pit, out of the pit of Laguna Beach before I got too far. So... What is dating? This is what the dictionary says. It says, to go out with someone in whom you are romantically or sexually interested. It's getting hot and heavy in here already at 743. Dating is going out with somebody in whom you are romantically or sexually interested. That's what the dictionary says. Notice Webster's dictionary is worldly. This ain't the old Webster's Dictionary that was legit. This is the new one that people added to. And notice, it's all about the outward appearance of the person. It's all about your hormones, your emotions. If I think the guy's hot, then I'm going to go out with him. If he buys my meal and tells me I'm pretty, I'm going to be dumb enough to think I'm going to get married to him just because he bought me a meal. Please don't be that dumb, people. And so notice, dating is going out with somebody in whom you're romantically or sexually interested. You know, when I talk about dating tonight, I'm more talking about, I just want to clear this up before we get, get too heavy into this, because it could get heavy, is I'm talking about dating in that you're getting in a relationship with a person that 
that you like, you're attracted to, and you've looked at other things other than just their body. Hello, somebody. And you've thought about other things than just their body. Like, do they have a brain? Do they actually use it? Um, Are they intelligent enough to have a conversation with you? They're just not uh, have a good tan and muscles. Or they don't have just blonde highlights and look like an orange Oompa Loompa because they went to the tanning bed too much. So when I talk about dating, I'm talking about you're in a relationship with somebody you like. And one step further, somebody that you're, you're actually seriously going to date. This is not middle school dates. I'm talking about a serious dating relationship, which you see a future together. Keyword, a future together. Ending in marriage. Not seeing a future together, and I'm going to have sex with them a couple of times, and then we're going to break up. That's not the future together I'm talking about. I'm talking about the future ends in marriage with you two pure so I just wanted to clear that up before we get going here because when, when I mention dating tonight, I'm not talking about if you just like somebody else and you, you hang out in groups every once in a while. That's not dating. Okay. You guys can do that all day long. You guys can text each other, call each other, you know, Facebook each other, go out in groups and you like somebody. Okay, th- I'm not considering that dating. I'm talking about dating tonight is you're serious about that other person about the future and that you really think there's an end coming in marriage someday and that you're starting to go out on one-on-one dates. Hello, somebody. And you're really considering this person as a future mate. That's what I'm talking about. So I'm talking about real dating, not the world's way dating. Um, the world's way dating is usually super casual. And let me explain that. There's so much casual dating going on. A lot of people are like, you know, you date a couple men for this year, and then next year you got some more, and then eventually you'll find the right person. Okay, there's so much wasted time in that. That's why I'm not talking about you just like somebody. I'm talking about a serious dating relationship. Because the world's way is I'm going to keep trying people to eventually find the right person. And that's not God's way of doing it. I'm not going to try 25 different girls and then on the 26th one, figure out that's the right one. That's not, that's not godly dating. And a lot of us, hello, let's be truthful, we've done that. Hey, back in middle school and high school, I dated plenty of girls. And it was all wasted time. Can I tell you the truth tonight? It was all wasted time. All wasted time. And so I don't want you to come up and say, well, you know, Basie did it and he turned out all right. No, I'm telling you this on purpose so you don't waste your time. How much further I could be along if I didn't waste my time on dumb relationships that went nowhere. So God doesn't want you to try out 25 different people and then find the 26th one. He don't want you to try 40 different people and then find Mr. Right. That's not the way that God wants you to look for your mate. But that's the world's way of dating. We're going to just try... And eventually, we got to find the right person, don't we? Not necessarily. <laughs> That's why the divorce rate is over 50% on the planet. It's because why? They keep trying and trying, and as long as the person looks halfway attractive and is nice, they'll stay together, but as soon as they get a little grumpy and uh, you know lose that tan and those muscles, they're out. <laughs> so notice, the world's weight is 
is wasted time. You know, every person you date is a potential mate. Y'all can write that down. Go ahead and take notes on that. Every person you date is a potential mate. So you got to think about that. When you go out with that person, could you ever consider them being your husband or wife? Because if you can't, why did you go on the date? I'm just being too honest and too plain tonight. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Because there's, there's been so much wasted time in people's lives dating people that they know they're not going to end up with. All of us in here can raise our hands for people that we dated that we knew weren't going to be our husband or wife. We just wanted a boyfriend and girlfriend really bad because everybody else had one. And we were a little lonely because we weren't getting satisfied in God. Uh, I, I get off that. So, every person you date is a potential mate. You know, if you don't see a future with that person whatsoever, why are you going out with them? I know why the guys are going out with them. Why? Because they're trying to get something from them. A sexual something. Now, you girls do it for other reasons. For a free meal, I guess, and some new jewelry or something. And maybe some new clothes. And I'm saying, girls, do you. Get, get your money and get your clothes while you, while you can. No, I didn't mean that. But notice, you got to think, if, if I really don't see a future with this person, why am I dating them? Can I give you an example from my own personal life? Come on, you, you like this, don't you? So, there was a person I was dating, not super serious, but we went out on a couple dates, just one-on-one. Okay, this person was a pretty girl, plus, that's a, that's a, that's a plus mark here. And she was a Christian. Come on, we're doing good here. She was pretty. She was a Christian. She was nice. That's a plus. Uh, she she was uh, somebody. Well, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna give too much information, but um, so that was a plus. She was pretty. She was nice, and she was a Christian. Okay, I went out with this person a couple times on one-on-one dates, and I knew about the second date. When I went home, I was like, why am I even doing this? Why am I even doing this? Why? Because of when I really thought about it, I was like, there's nothing wrong with this person whatsoever. Christian, pretty, nice. There's nothing wrong with them. So I'm not saying like there's necessarily something wrong with somebody that you're not dating them. It's just, you know, that's not the person for you. You just know it. She's just playing games. You're just trying to fill a need that's not being met. And since you won't just be patient and wait for the right person, like a bishop flock. Hello, somebody. Sometimes you got to wait for the right person. And trust me, you're going to be glad you waited for that person. Instead of rushing it and marrying the wrong person. Because guess what? you got to live with them the rest of your life. So, I went on a couple of dates with this girl. And we, we had a good time. There wasn't any awkwardness. There wasn't like we were getting mad at each other. But I realized I had to cut it off. After the second date, I realized, do I ever think I'm really going to get married to this girl? And I knew absolutely, no, I'm not. So why am I going out with her? Why am I going out with her? Just because everybody else is going out with people? Just because she's pretty? Am I trying to get something from her? Hello, somebody. That's real talk right there. You know what? There's a lot of 
you that need to make decisions like that. Why am, why am I dating this person? Do I really see a future with them? Because if, if I don't, you're wasting your time and you're wasting their time. And I realized that. That's why I cut it off. I'm like, listen, we can still be friends, but I don't see any. And, and she was like, cool, I don't see anything really either. We're good friends. You know, we like each other, but I just knew. I'm not going to get married to her. I just knew it. So let me say, please don't waste your time on people that you know you're not going to be with. Just so you can say you have a boyfriend or a girlfriend. And that was all free. Now, we could keep talking here. You guys ready? So, what age... I know, I know you younger people go like this. What age does the Bible have for people to date? Well, it doesn't have an age limit. But can I, can I talk some real talk to you? You know, I might not have a scripture for everything I say, but I'm giving you some godly wisdom tonight. Because if you would have told me this when I was younger, I would have gave you the same response. And I didn't listen. Like I said, I've dated people in middle school and high school. And I regret every single minute of it. It was all wasted time. All wasted time. So, you know, for, for you to be really an intelligent person tonight is to take what I'm telling you and not to do the same thing. Because why? If you do the same thing, you're going to get the same results. And then you're going to tell the next generation after me. And hopefully they're smart enough to get it. But why can't you guys get it? So, so is there an age? There's, there's not an age limit technically in the Bible when you can date. But let me say this, because since I'm talking about dating being you seriously with somebody of the opposite sex, one-on-one, and like you about to put a ring on it kind of talk. If you don't have the ability to legally get married, why are you seriously dating this person? If you can't legally go to the courthouse... Or go to the altar. Why are you seriously dating this person? Because you got a long time ahead of you. And that's going to be a long frustrated time. That you're going to have to keep your sexual hormones on lock. And let me tell you something else. Because I didn't listen to people telling me this either. If you can't take care of this person financially. You don't have a right to date them. Like a lot of you people think you're grown in here. If you can't take it up take care of that person financially some of y'all can't even take care of yourself financially who you think is supposed to pay for the meals when you guys go out hello somebody mommy and daddy can't be giving you lunch money every time you go out on a date with somebody so this is this is my personal opinion but based on the scriptures people didn't date or get in serious relationships until they were about to get married There wasn't like, we're dating for years and years and years and just wasting time. No, if they were dating each other, that that means that there was a future coming soon that they were going to get married. So if you can't legally get married, I say, why are you dating somebody seriously? If you can't take care of them financially, why are you seriously dating them? Now, I'm not saying you can't like somebody. Let Let me explain myself before you guys jump out on me. I'm not saying you can't like somebody. I'm not saying you can't talk to somebody a lot or text them. I'm not saying you can't go out in groups and hang out and still like each other. But I'm saying if you're going to try to be serious one-on-one, huggy bear kissy face with somebody, you need to be 
legally old enough to do something about it. I am preaching 10 times better than anybody's responding in here. I gave the same response to my youth pastor when he told me this and did the opposite and wasted time. Because why? Especially, there's so so much hormones when you're in middle school and high school. Like, it makes you think dumb for some reason. And you think that you're an adult when you're not an adult. And like, I can do what I want. I'm financially well off. I can take care of myself, mom and dad. I can go wherever I want. I can do what I'm a grown man. No, you still live in this house. You use my toothpaste and my deodorant. I have to drive you everywhere and pay for all your food. You are not grown. And so you've, you to be trying to holler at a girl like, you know, you could be my boo, you could be my wife. You can't even take care of yourself. You can't even clean your own clothes. How are you supposed to help her? Jesus, help us, Lord. I tell you, one of the main, hey, I still don't wash my own clothes. Just to, just to say that. He who finds a wife finds a good thing. And obtains favor with the Lord. All right. One of the main reasons, too, is when you get in a serious relationship before you're old enough to do something about it, is you stir up your emotions way before time. You know, in the Song of Solomon, it says, don't stir up those things before their time because it's going to hurt you because you ain't ready for it. You think you're ready for it, but you're not ready for it. Can I just say that? If you're under 18 years old and you think you're ready for a serious adult relationship, you're not. And you can, you, can, you can hate on me tonight. I could care less, but I'm telling you the truth. Here's something to think about. If you don't have a job, you don't have a job, you're not qualified to date somebody. Uh, if, you can't, if you can't drive, you know... Uh, in the, in the garden, you go get some on this tea. In Genesis, you know, God gave Adam a job before he gave him a girl. Hello, somebody. So he gave him a J-O-B before he gave him a girl. So if you don't got a job, you ain't going to no right with a girl because a girl's going to cost you some money, so just be prepared for that. Uh, how about this one? You're, you're, just, you're a responsible person. Uh, you actually turn in your homework. Uh, you uh, you can fold your own clothes. Um, let me see here. You have just basic hygiene. How about that one? If you want to date somebody, you just got blessed on that one. All right, I'm gonna get off that one. Let's turn to Second Corinthians. Second Corinthians six, and we're gonna read in verse fourteen. It says, do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship has righteousness with lawlessness and what communion has light with darkness? Notice that do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. If you're dating somebody, that means you're yoked up together. So it says, do not be unequally yoked because what fellowship has righteousness with lawlessness? Or what communion has light with darkness? So, my next section here is, who is somebody who's qualified to date you? First of all, before I tell you uh, 
couple things about who's qualified to date you is I want to say to each one of you, don't settle. Don't settle for second best. Don't settle for third best, fourth best, fifth best. Do not settle with who you're going to get married to or who you're going to date. Do not settle. You know, uh, Pastor Nancy says when, uh, when God wants to bless you, he'll send somebody. When the devil wants to mess up your life, he'll send somebody. And how many of you know the devil's going to send wrong people in your life for you to date, just like God's going to send the right person? Why? Because the devil wants you to get you off track because he knows if he can get you to marry the wrong person, your life is going to go a completely different direction than the way it's supposed to go. So don't settle. Do not settle for the wrong person. Do not settle for a, just a lame-o dude. There are so many girls that are deceived by guys who are sweet talkers, and they are busted. Listen, they're ugly. They don't have good hygiene. They got a weak job. And you're trying to marry them just because they can sweet talk, to you, talk you and take you out to eat on their mommy's money every once in a while. Do not settle. And guys, do not settle for just a pretty looking girl. Because guess what? Whether you like it or not, eventually her body is going to change. She's going to have some babies. And if, if you didn't like her for what was on the inside to begin with, you're going to end up in divorce court like a lot of America is. So it has to be more than just she's hot. And I'm, I'm, a, I'm a full believer that God will give you a hot wife. Hello, somebody. If you do it God's way, God will give you a hot wife. Let me say this better. He will give you a beautiful wife. If you do it God's way. I believe that. So don't settle. So first of all, if somebody's qualified to date you, these are a couple of things you should think of. Do they love God? Is God first in their life? Do they love God just because you act like you love God? Because a lot of people will, will front on you and act like they love God when they don't care anything about God. They just want to get with you. And then once you get with them, they'll stop coming to church. I've seen it time after time. Once they actually get the girl and they get in a relationship and they get physical with them, they leave the church. Why? Because they were never into God in the first place. They were just trying to get with you. So you got to look at this. Are they qualified to date you? Do they love God? Is God first? Do they care about God's word? Do they ever mention a scripture to you? Do they ever bring up God's word? Do they have a prayer life? Have they ever prayed in their life? Do they go to church? And not just do they go to church, are they plugged into a local church and connected? Because like I said, people will front on you just so they can get with you. Do they have a local church? Are they bringing a supply at a local church? Are they in the ministry of helps? Do they give tithes and offerings? If they'll rob God, they'll rob you for goodness sakes. If they ain't man enough to even give God what's his, why do you think they're going to take care of you? I am too real tonight, but I could care less. And if, if they don't meet that criteria, they are not qualified. Notice, they're not qualified to date you. Why? Because you're precious. There shouldn't be just, oh, you know, just anybody's qualified. No, you got to qualify to get in this relationship with me. you got to be qualified to get up in a relationship. 
Because wherever you're, you're going and I go, and it has to be the same place. How can two walk together unless they be agreed? And this is, should be a no-brainer, which we just read it. Are they a Christian? <laughs> Those are all things I mentioned that, that, are, that are things after you become a Christian. Are they putting God first? Church, word, prayer, stuff like that. But are they a Christian to begin with? Because I know people that have dated unbelievers and said, you know, I can change them. They're changing. Okay, you can be their friend, but don't be dating that person if they're an unbeliever. What does that say about your fellowship with God? Because how, how can you walk in light and they walk in darkness and you be in communion and fellowship with each other? We're not even going to the same two eternal destinations if we don't got that covered. And none of this flirt to convert because that does not work. You trying to flirt with them and have them lust after you just so you can get them in the church. It won't work. Because we ain't here to flirt and convert. Here's something. Let's say they are a believer and they have some of the qualities of what I just mentioned. Brother Sean preached a magnanimous message on marrying in your own company. Okay, so let's say we got over the, the unbeliever category and we're in the believer category. They're, they're a Christian, technically a Christian, but they don't believe like you. That ain't going to work either. Can I just say that? Because I know a lot of people that use that scripture. Well, they're Christian. They're believers. They love Jesus. They love God. <sighs> Let me see what I got to say here. You know, well, really, you're going to have to get Brother Sean's CD on that and marrying in your own company. Because that's just not enough that they just, you know, they believe in Jesus too, but are they going the same direction you're going? What if they are a believer and they don't believe in healing and you have a child and the child needs healing and you're praying over that child to receive healing. And they're saying, you know, I just don't believe it's God's will that, that they are healed right now. I believe that, that God is trying to teach them something. So let's have our child be in sickness and disease. Okay. That's not going to work. You're unequally yoked with that person, even if they're a technical believer. So do they believe like you believe? Do they believe in faith? Do they believe in being spirit-filled? If they don't believe in being spirit-filled and you start praying in the spirit in front of them and they get freaked out, that's not good. You're unequally yoked with that person. What if they don't believe in deliverance? They don't believe in the gifts of the spirit. They don't believe in prosperity. What if you're trying to, to give, give your money and tithe and be a support to the local church, and they don't believe in tithing. There's going to be issues in your marriage. <laughs> Are there one of those Christians who have a poverty theology, and you're trying to prosper for the kingdom of God, and they're over there trying to keep you poor? That's not going to work. Well, I'm, I'm trying to teach in the house of God tonight. So that's number one quality to qualify to date you. Now, number two, let's turn over to Proverbs 24, 6. Proverbs 24, 6. You guys get anything tonight? I got to say it real. I got to talk real talk. Whether, whether you like it or not, because I, I know the way I was when I was your age. And 
I was like, I'm a grown-up. I'm a date whoever I want to. I can't even drive myself to the mall, but I don't care. Go ahead, stiff neck. Keep on running yourself into that wall. Proverbs 24, 6. For by wise counsel you will wage your own war. And in a multitude of counselors there is safety. Notice that. In a multitude of counselors there is safety. So what's that saying there? When you have a lot of people who are spiritual and a lot of people who you know know God and a lot of people who have wisdom speaking into your life, you just set yourself up to have safety in your life. They have, they have a set a hedge of protection of safety around your life that you're not going to be making dumb mistakes. You know, it's foolish people that don't want anybody with wisdom around them to speak into their life. The Lone Rangers, they, first of all, they don't want their pastors speaking into their lives, but they don't want their parents speaking into their lives. Some people, they don't even want godly friends speaking into their life. That's a dangerous place to be. You know what Proverbs calls you? A fool. But it says, in a multitude of counselors, there's safety. Number two, if somebody's got to qualify to date you, you need to run it by your pastors, your parents, and your godly friends. Hello, somebody. Because in a multitude of counselors, there's safety. Are you hearing what I'm saying tonight? If you really think that person is the right person, if you've grown enough, go ahead and talk to a pastor about it. He'll talk real talk with you. You know, that's the thing. So many people, they started dating somebody, and they didn't ask anybody what they thought about it. Their pastors, their parents, or their friends. Can I tell you something tonight? There's been so many people I know that have dated people that their pastors, their parents, and their friends all said, they're not right. Get away from them. And they still dated them. That should be a red flag. If just one out of that group said that to you, you should pay attention. But if all three are saying that person is not right, run from them. Pay attention. In a multitude of counselors, there's safety. And you are raging against all wise judgment and being a fool if you don't listen to people that are trying to speak into your life. Are you here tonight? So number two, if they're going to qualify to date you, they need to be qualified through your parents, your pastors, and your godly friends. Notice I said your godly friends. Not your friends that ain't right and just trying to get you hooked up with every person you see. And saying, oh, man, they're hot. Go out with them. What is your issue? No. Your godly friends. They have some wisdom. <laughs> you guys you guys okay? I know I'm kind of wild on Thursday nights. So, now we cleared all this up. What age? Who qualifies? Now, once you start dating, what to do and what's appropriate. That's my next part. I'm going to teach to you like I'm Brother Sean tonight. What's appropriate and what's not appropriate? What should you do? Let me say, first of all, if you've passed all these categories, like they love God, they love the church, they love the word, they're in the ministry of helps, tither, plus your pastors, your parents, and your godly friends say, legit, and you pass those categories, 
then what do you do now once you start dating this person? Well, first of all, have fun together. That's what I, that's, that's the first thing I have written down. You need to have fun together and get to know that person. You really need to get to know that person. Cause if you really think you're going to spend the rest of your life with them, it would be wise if you got to know them before you got married, because once you got married, it's not that easy to get back out of that. So you need to really get to know that person. Cause how many know you could think, you know, somebody, but when you get in a relationship like that, you realize sometimes you really don't know that person. Let me take it to another level. When you get married to that person, you got to realize you didn't know that person like you thought you knew that person. Because it's a totally different thing living with that person. Because they could, they could try to front to you for a while because you don't live at their house. Because the only time you see them, I'm not going to go down that road. She's going to listen to the CD. No, nah, I'm joking. So you need to have fun together and get to know each other. Here's, here's something I wrote down here. Don't rush it. Take it slow. Do not rush your relationship with somebody you're dating or you're planning on marrying. Do not rush it. I repeat, do not rush it. You know, how many know it could be the right person but be the wrong time? There's a lot of people that it, it could definitely be God-inspired right person, but it could be the wrong time, and you can mess it up. Because it's the wrong time. I know Brother Sean has spoken about this. He knew Miss Jenny was the right person, but he waited about a year and a half, two years to them to start really seriously dating. Why? Because he realized this is the right person, but it's the wrong time. And if I, if I try to get serious right now, it could totally mess up the entire relationship. Can I, can I speak real to you? Lauren Jacobs, my wife right now, my only wife. Ever, Lauren Jacobs, she was the right person, but I pursued it in the wrong time. That's why there was years of drama in my life, because it was the wrong time. Why? Because I was a stubborn high schooler and thought I was grown enough to handle a relationship, and I wasn't. Real talk. You could ask my lovely bride, it caused years of drama because she was the right person, but it was the wrong time. It was the wrong time. Not that she wasn't the right person, just wrong timing. And notice, I wasn't old enough and ready enough for that series of relationship. And all it caused was drama for years and years and years. Because why? I wasn't, I wasn't a grown-up yet. I wasn't an adult. I thought I was, but I was still an immature kid. Even at 18 years old, I was still an immature kid who thought... I knew better and I could handle a serious relationship. I wasn't. You know, I used to think I was getting married when I turned 18. I didn't get married till I was 22. That was four more years for me to grow up and realize I wasn't grown at all. So notice that if you rush it, you can mess the whole thing up. Because it can be the right person, but the wrong timing. Let's turn over to 1 Corinthians 6. 1 Corinthians 6. We're closing up here. 1 Corinthians 6. A couple more things, and I'll be done tonight. 1 Corinthians 6. First Corinthians 6. 
We're going to start in verse 19. And it says, Do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you and whom you have from God and you are not your own? Notice that. You're not your own. For you were bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. The next part I just wanted to talk about is, you know, once your emotions or feelings start getting stronger with that person that you're dating, the natural response is you're going to want to have a physical relationship with that person. So I'm going to talk some real talk about that. Your emotions or feelings are going to get stronger. I don't care how spiritual you think you are. You're going to have some strong feelings, strong emotions, and you still live in a body, in a flesh that wants to do things with that person. I don't care how much you pray in tongues, that doesn't negate you still having a a flesh and emotions. So you're going to want to get into a physical relationship. And I've heard people say this before. You know, I'm dating the person, and I know, I know we're going to get married eventually, so what can I do physically with them? Well, actually, you don't have a right to do anything physically with them. I'm just going to be honest and say that. You don't have a right to do anything physically with that person until you put a ring on it. And not just a fiancé ring, a wedding band. Let me go ahead and step that up on notch. So what's what's my physical, because I know why people ask that, because they want to go as close to the line as possible. Now, what's sex, what's appropriate, what's not appropriate? So I'm going to to do as much as I can physically with them without crossing the line. If you're asking that question, your heart's not right in the first place. Because you're going to end up way over here anytime soon. Somebody's just going to tip you over and you're going to go over to the other side. So what's your rights with, with your relationship and dating, physical? You have none. Real talk, none. Now, I, I think if, if you're in that relationship and it's getting serious, you can hold their hand. I think you can hug them. But I think you need to be very careful once you start going past that point. Very careful. Because that always leads somewhere else because your emotions are so strong. You want to do more than just hold their hand. I love somebody. You want to do more than just hug them. So I'd be very careful how far you take it physically before you're married. And notice we just read this, 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20. It says your body's not your own. That means me and you, we both don't have a right to do whatever we want with this body. I don't have a right to do that. We live in a country that says you have a right to do anything. No, God says your body is his because he bought you with a price. And the Holy Spirit dwells on the inside of you. So you don't have a right to do whatever you want. Until you get married, which still when you get married, your body is God's. But once you get married, it says in the word of God, your partner's body is yours, scripturally. But not until then. They are not your property until then. I got to spell it out for you tonight. So I say, with, with, which we're going to quote some scriptures here in a second about what's acceptable and what's not acceptable sexually and physically. 
But I, I have to say this with every with the gray areas, because there's some gray areas with being physical with somebody opposite sex. All I say is before you do whatever you think you're gonna do, ask God, God, since this is your body, do you want me doing this? Is this appropriate to take your property and do this with it? Because it's yours, not mine. So if you're bold enough to ask God that, hello, somebody. See, most of us wouldn't even ask God that because we know what we're thinking. But if you really think that, that it, it's maybe going to be acceptable, I say boldly, ask God, since this is your property, can I do this? See what he says. Let's turn over to First Thessalonians. You know, in talking about this, I really want you guys to get this. The sooner you get this, the better. Anything God tells you to do, it's not because he's trying to spoil your fun. So many Christians believe that. God just doesn't want me to have fun. God, why can't you just let me do everything else? Like, Because he's trying to keep you safe. He's trying to give you the best life. And how many know he knows better than you do? Because he's God, and he's perfect, and you're not. And he always knows better. So anything God asks you to do is not because he's trying to be a buzzkill. It's not because he's trying to be a wet blanket on your fun. It's because he knows better, and he's trying to keep you safe. you got to realize that, because so many people look at the Bible, and when they see things that God says not to do, they're like, man, God, why are you saying that? For your own safety, because he knows better than you. See, because I used to have a negative attitude about like the like this. They, they'd quote scriptures to me, and I'm like, you know, God, why don't you let me do this and this and this? Why? Because he's trying to keep you out of that junk. Because it, it looks fun, it looks deceptive, but in the end, it's destruction. And how many know God invented sex? He wants each of you in here to have sex, but just in the right context, in the marriage bed, with, with your husband or your wife when you're married. And that's going to be the only fulfilling sex you ever have. Any sexual thing outside of marriage is not going to satisfy, is not going to be fulfilling whatsoever. It's a trick. But the only fulfilling sex is going to be in the marriage bed. Because so many people are like, God just doesn't want me to have sex. Actually, God does want you to have sex. He invented it. But in the right context, in the, in the, in the area that's going to make you fulfilled, which is only in marriage covenant. Not in a one-night stand. So, you know, when God says stuff like this, which we're about to read, it's like him putting up guardrails for you, putting up boundary lines. And not because he's trying to keep you from something fun over there and he's putting up a fence. No, because there's something dangerous over there that he don't want you to mess with. Just like if you're crossing the bridge and there's guardrails, they're not there because they're trying to keep you from having fun. They're there so you don't go off the bridge and kill yourself. And that's why God puts guardrails in our life. So we don't go off the bridge and hurt ourselves and get into stuff that's going to mess us up. Well, I'm trying to help you tonight. So 1 Thessalonians 4, 1 through 5. 
It says, finally, my brethren, we urge you and exhort you in the Lord Jesus that you should abound more and more just as you received from us how you ought to walk and please God. For you know what commandments we gave you through the Lord Jesus. Notice, for this is the will of God, your sanctification, that you should abstain, notice, from sexual immorality. What he's saying there is sex out of marriage. Sexual immorality means sex, but not right sex. There's a right sex and there's a wrong sex. And sex outside of marriage is wrong. And notice it says in verse 4, that each of you should know how to possess your own vessel, that's your own body. Notice, in sanctification and in honor. In verse 5, not in passion of lust like the Gentiles who do not know God. Notice he said, you're not like the rest of the people who don't know God. You can't blame them for sleeping around with everybody else. Why? Because they're not fulfilled. They're empty. So you can't blame sinners for sinning. But notice he says, you're not like everybody else. You have the Spirit of God living on the inside of you. So in a dating relationship, from the Word of God scripturally, there's no sex before marriage. And I'll add this to it. No oral sex before marriage. Because oral sex is still sex. And I'm not going to explain it either. Thank you very much. I'm not in health class. Let's look over at 1 Corinthians 7. Sue's back there. He just shouted me on. He just said preach. So I'm going to go ahead and preach. 1 Corinthians 7, 1. It says, Now concerning the things of which you wrote to me, it is good for a man not to touch a woman. Or a woman not to touch a man. And notice, it's not talking about you poking somebody or you high-fiving somebody or you guys playing tag. That's not what it's talking about. In the actual Greek, it, it says, it is not good for a man to sexually touch a woman or a woman to sexually touch a man. And he's talking in the context before you're married. So we're going to take it one step further. It's one thing to not have sex before married because a lot of people are scared to do that before they get married. STDs, pregnancy, other stuff. But they're all about sexual touching before they get married. And notice it says in the Word of God, pretty boldly, it is not good for a man or a woman to touch each other sexually before they're married. It's not right. It is a sin. If you're touching somebody of the opposite sex in an inappropriate fashion before you get married. I don't care if you have your clothes on and everything. It is not appropriate. And you're walking down a slippery slope that will lead to sex. I mean, sexual touching is sin. Here's excuses we get. But we're going to get married someday. We know we're going to get married. We know we're the person for each other. There's no exception. If you've got a ring on it and you're not married, there's no exception. I don't care if you've got your clothes on or not. Any kind of sexual touching with somebody the opposite sex is not appropriate before you get married. Because it's going to lead somewhere else. And notice, 
their body is not yours to touch anyways. It's God's. Don't touch God's property. Notice, but we love each other. No, actually, you don't love each other. You lust each other. Anybody, I don't care who it is, that tells you, if you love me, you would let me touch you like this. If you love me, you would let me do this and that. I ain't trying to have sex with you. I'm just trying to touch, touch you in some certain areas. I'm just trying to make out with you a little bit. I don't want to actually take your virginity. I just want to touch a little bit if you love me. No, it's, they don't love you. They lust you. They don't love you. They lust you. Because love is all, all, always about giving and honoring. But lust is always about taking and getting. They don't care about you. They just care about their body. They just care about them having some pleasure for themselves. They care nothing about you. If it was a different girl next week, they would be saying the same thing to them. Why? Because they don't care about you. They just care about what they can get from you. So they don't love you. They lust you. If we're going to talk real, let's talk real. They lust you. They don't love you. If somebody's asking you to do things sexually, I don't care if it's just touching. They don't love you. They don't love you. They don't really care about you. Don't be fooled by that. They lust you. And actually, they don't, they don't respect you enough to respect your body to not touch you. You know, there's something that happens. One of the main reasons why the Word of God says no sexual touching is something called the law of diminishing returns. Let me explain that to you. Something called the law of diminishing returns. We use a drug analogy before we use a sexual analogy. Let's say a drug addict, which dad's even told this story before. He used to be a drug addict. When he first started out, he was just smoking a cigarette. You know what? After a couple weeks, a couple months, cigarette really wasn't doing it for him anymore. Why? Because the law of diminishing returns. And it won't satisfy. So notice he stepped it up a little bit further. Then, then I'm going to smoke a little weed. You notice once he started smoking weed for a long time, law of diminishing returns, that wasn't enough. So we're going to have to step it up a couple notches for me to be satisfied. Then I'm going to take it from that to shooting drugs in, in, in my veins. Shooting heroin, sniffing cocaine. And, and after three years of drug addiction, he looked back at his life and he was shocked where he had ended up. Why? Because it's the law of diminishing returns. After you do something so much, it doesn't really satisfy, it doesn't really get you excited anymore. So you've got to step it up. Why? Because these are just natural things that people try to use to fill the void on the inside of them. But it's the same, same way sexually. That, that's why I said what I said a little bit ago about you don't have a right to have a physical relationship with somebody unless you got a ring on it. You know why I said that? Law of diminishing returns. You hugging all the time. You just doing just simple kisses. After a couple weeks, a couple months, it's going to get old. You're going to be like, man, this is really not, this is really not exciting to hold hands anymore or hug like that anymore. Maybe we need to do... Can, can I talk real talk? So, so then you change it up. Well, you know, we'll just make out. You know, we're not going to touch each other sexually. Definitely we're going to keep our clothes on. So you start making out. And it starts out innocent. Guess what? A couple more weeks, 
just regular making out really doesn't do it for you anymore. Why? Law of diminishing returns. Why? Because it will never satisfy you outside of marriage. So then a couple weeks later, you're like, well, you know, we can kind of touch each other as long as we keep our clothes on, making out. And you can keep going and going and going because that's what happens to so many people, especially in church, who try to start out innocent, but they, they don't stop. They just keep going. And, and since that, that doesn't satisfy them, they keep trying to step it up. And eventually, they end up together having sex. Why? Because it's the law of diminishing returns. It will never satisfy you. That's why if you don't even start down that path, it's a lot easier. That's why I said you have no right to have a physical relationship with them. Because where, where is the line down the road where you guys are going to stop? Because I know a lot of people have had good intentions about being pure and being holy, but once they actually got in the situation, they totally forgot about God, the church, everything else, about the purity card they had in the room, all out the window. Because their hormones and everything else took over. So notice, that will never satisfy you that, because it's, it, every time you do something over and over like that, it's going to diminish after, after several weeks, several months, however long it takes, and you're going to want to do something more. That's why I'm saying some bold stuff tonight. Number three. First Timothy 5 and verse 1. So we're still talking about you're dating the person now. And how, sh- how should you treat the other person? It says, do not rebuke an older man, but exhort him as a father and younger, brother, younger men as brothers. Older women as mothers and notice younger women as sisters with all purity. With all purity. I know what I'm about to say. It's going to ruffle some feathers in here, but it's the word of God. Until you're on this altar, getting married with a ring on it, that person you're dating, you should treat them like a brother and a sister. That's the word of God. That's what the word of God says. So if you enjoy making out with your brother, then go ahead. If you're kind of into being inappropriate with your sister, then I guess that would work out for you. But notice the word of God says, treat each other like a brother or sister in all purity. So until this woman or man becomes your husband or wife, you're supposed to treat them like your brother or sister. That's what the Bible says. That's not what I'm saying. That's what the Bible says. And we're going to go with the word of God on this one. And the only reason he's saying that is because he's trying to keep you from falling into impurity that's going to eventually hurt you. It will always hurt you. Every time I've chosen to do my own thing instead of obey the word of God, I've always regretted it. I've, I've never said after, afterwards, man, you know, I'm really glad I rebelled against the word of God. I re- it really paid off. It just really b- brought a lot of blessings to my life. It really helped me out. Never. And you know, I remember I used to hear this and people used to laugh at this verse. You know, treat each other like brothers and sisters. That's, that's cute. And people, people would laugh at other people. Don't be moved by that. You know, why, why others are laughing at you for, for doing it God's way, 
and being pure and treating your, your potential mate like a brother or sister, they will keep laughing and you'll still keep being pure. Let them laugh. I could care less. You know, at 24 years old, I am receiving the blessings of doing it God's way. It doesn't take a rocket scientist to see the people who did it their own way and their fruit. And to see, I did it God's way and I see the fruit of my life. You got to be blind to not see that. It doesn't have anything to do with me. It has to do, I, I decided to do it God's way. I wasn't perfect in everything I did. I was never perfect in everything I did. I made mistakes with my purity. But notice, I chose to do it God's way, and I'm receiving the blessings of it at 24 years old. When other people my age are struggling, when they're just grasping to try to get in a good relationship, when they've slept around with all kinds of people, when they have STDs and babies, when they, when they can't even find a good job right now, and they're searching for hope. And they were laughing when we used to talk about scriptures in the youth group. Oh, that's, that's cute. Brothers and sisters. You know, the word of God says God will not be mocked. God will not be laughed at by anybody. Because whatever a man sows, he's going to reap. So you can laugh at God all you want, but in the end, he wins. In the end, his word is true in every man a liar. So remember that next time you say, I would like to do my own thing and rebel against the scriptures. Because I'm getting a little persecution at college because I'm not going to all the frat parties. I'm getting a little persecution in my high school because I don't sleep around with all the cheerleaders. I'm getting a little persecution at my middle school because I'm not dating like everybody else. Let them laugh. Let them laugh. You don't have to be prideful about it, arrogant about it. Just be humble, keep to yourself, and know that God's word is true. And if you do it God's way, you will receive God's blessing on it. You know, the word of God says, what God has blessed, no man can curse. So I don't care who's laughing at you. Do it God's way. You do it God's way. You know, if you see anything good in my life whatsoever, it's not because I was the smartest person. It's not because my daddy and mommy were pastors. It's not because I was perfect. It's because with with all my faults and failures and not being perfect, I chose to do it God's way. You know, if, if you just make an effort to do his way, he's going to give you the ability. He's going to bless you. He's going to help you along the way. If you just say, God, I want to do it your way. I got a lot of feelings, a lot of hormones, but I want to do it your way. I know I'm not going to be perfect in this, but he's going to bless you. Let's turn over Second Timothy 2, last verse. Would you guys get anything tonight? 2 Timothy 2, 22. It says, flee also youthful lust, but pursue righteousness, faith, love, peace. And notice, with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. So notice, you're not by yourself in this purity act. There should be others with you walking along being pure. And can I tell you something? I don't care if all the rest of your friends want to live impure then you need to come hang out with Janet. Listen, if the rest of your friends want to be impure, 
Call me up. We'll go do something. If the rest of your crazy friends want to be not legit, call Chad Steele up. Call Bishop up. Call Miss Liz up. Call Justin up. So just because all your friends are not whatever and giving you a hard time about it, we're here for you. I ain't going nowhere. I ain't moved. Listen, I ain't in high school anymore. I could care less. I'm not moved by people's opinions anymore like I used to be. And some of us in here, not that we've arrived, but we figure some things out and we're already married. And we realize how to do it God's way and how not to do it God's way. So I want you to know that we're here for you. If you've got to call us late at night because somebody took you to a party you weren't supposed to be at, call us up, please. If you don't got enough courage to call your parents, call me up. I'll try to come or I'll send Beanie to come get you because he doesn't have a wife yet. And he'll probably be up playing Call of Duty anyway, so he can come get you. So notice this last verse. Flee also, youthful lust, but pursue righteousness. No, so many people focus on the fleeing youthful lust, but that's not the point in this verse. It's pursue. The best fleeing is a good pursuing. You know, Joseph didn't flee Potiphar's wife because she, she wasn't pretty. You know why he ran? Because he was pursuing God. He, di- he didn't run from her because she was ugly. He ran because he was pursuing God. So notice your focus shouldn't be flee youthful lust, run away from everything that's lustful. No, just start pursuing God. Pursuing, notice it says pursue righteousness, pursue faith, pursue love, pursue peace, and pursue those people that are, that are with you and they have a pure heart. Pursue people like that. And notice you, you, you won't get into youthful lust if you're constantly pursuing God and the things of God and with the people of God. Because so, so many people, they just naturally think negative. They're always thinking, i got to flee, i got to run, lust, lust, lust. If you constantly think about lust, sexual temptation, you're going to fall into it. If you're constantly consumed with it. You just need to be consumed with God and his word and pursuing righteousness, faith, love, peace, the things of God. Just pursue that. And then that stuff won't even be a big deal to you anymore. 